love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. We make each other better. She always reminds me about what actually matters. You know, love conquers all. Wherever he is, I I want to be there, always. She just always accepted me for who I was. He makes me a better person. It was like love at first sight. Well, love is the most important thing. Every day I'm learning. It's so purpose-driven in creating the couples and giving people more confidence in dating and creating a culture here that I'm hoping is a kinder dating culture. Hi, I'm Nancy Regan. Can you make a meaningful romantic connection in just six minutes? According to matchmaker and dating coach Geneva Dickey, you can. This week, we're going to find out how the fast and formulaic world of speed dating can give singles the confidence and tools they need. We're finding love fast in this Insights edition of the Canadian Love Map. Geneva, let's talk love. Start with you introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what you do. Yeah. So my name is Geneva and I am a matchmaker dating coach. And it all started with one speed dating event in 2017. And there was eight men and eight women that came to that speed dating event. And I had to contact over 300 people to get that many people to the first speed dating event. And then, you know, as we took some time doing events, we then introduced matchmaking because I noticed that a lot of people were leaving the speed dating events very incompatible. And then they would come back to another speed dating event. So I wanted to start introducing people to more compatible matches. So we introduced a matchmaking database called the Book of Love, which is the name of our business now too, which is really fun. And then I would notice that, you know, I could introduce someone to their perfect partner, but past blocks and experiences and patterns or or sometimes even, you know, some trauma is keeping them from finding love. So then we introduced dating coaching where we get into the nitty gritty of those details. And since the dating coaching, matchmaking and in-person in real life dating and speed dating were partnered up together in three, we have like filled the world with people in love. Wow. So it's the intersection of those areas that has given you a sweet spot, sort of. It absolutely has. Because, you know, if someone's coming in for matchmaking, I try to get them to an event as quickly as possible so I can see what they're like on a date, like actually see them on a date, which I would never see otherwise, see who likes them, see who they like, or if they come in for, um, you know, matchmaking and, and there's things that are holding them back or I send them on a couple of dates and the feedback from their dates are, whew, you need some coach in Geneva. Like we, we tend to, we bring them in for coaching and we help them through that. And it creates more results in their love life. Oh, that's great. Yeah. What would you say is the state of dating globally right now? Yeah. Well, it depends on who you ask. I'm an optimist. So I think the state of dating globally is amazing. And I attribute a lot of it to online dating, which is odd considering I'm a matchmaker dating coach. I should be anti online dating. But generally, I think online dating has its has its 
challenges as well, which is impacting the world and today's dating culture is the disposability of humans and the disposability of people. Mm -hmm. So before online dating and before these options became available, people had just less options, which means that they were more willing to commit to those that they were with. So I feel that that is starting to dissipate in today's culture, the commitment. And there's always something better. And it's just, again, you can order it up at 10 o'clock at night in bed. Um, even if you're in a really great partnership and if things get a little bit rocky, you can go find something else pretty quickly. So there's benefits and there's negative to anything. So it can be tricky in today's dating culture, but I feel like it's always been tricky. What is particularly challenging these days for people uh, connecting in person? So the lack of practice. in-person community was a much bigger thing in my parents' day and my grandparents' day, like the community centers and the churches and, and going to community events on a regular basis. You have the practice of interacting with people. And not only that, but even the pandemic has, you know, people have been coming out of the pandemic out of practice, socializing, dating, being on dates, meeting new people, flirting, all of those really important idiosyncrasies that come into dating the people are out of practice with it. And it's so easy to flirt over text message because you have time to think about it, but often that doesn't translate to in-person flirting. And so that makes it very challenging for a lot of people is the lack of practice, I think. What is speed dating? Yeah, so speed dating, I think there's a lot of people that haven't heard it since the 80s, maybe early 90s. It was big back then, yeah. um, but it's definitely made a comeback since online dating. And so what speed dating is now, it's in real life dating. And when you arrive at a speed dating event, there are gonna be equal parts men and women there. And you have a six minute date with each participant of the opposite sex or same sex if you're coming to a queer event. You basically have six dates and when you're done, you mark on your sheet those you're interested in and you get matches the next day. So in some ways, speed dating is an amazing opportunity for practicing. Oh my gosh, if, Nancy, if you go on a date, like an, a regular date after speed dating, you will rock that date. Because if you had anywhere between eight to 14 dates in one night, six minute dates in one night, and then maybe go on a date the next day, you'll rock it. You'll be so confident. It'd be the best date you've ever been on. I honestly think so. Okay, so let's get right down to, I've never been to a speed dating event before this. How does it work? Yeah, basically you walk in the door. And any speed dating event host that is worth its weight in gold has the happiest, sweetest person greeting them at the door because everybody is so nervous before they come. Men, women, confident people, not confident people. You are nervous before a speed dating event. Honestly, if there is people that aren't nervous, I want what they're drinking because I'm nervous as, I'm crazy nervous. <laughs> Pretty much the self-talk I gave myself was rip the band-aid and go there because everyone's gonna feel awkward. So you might as well go when everyone's feeling awkward and don't get in your head about it and just go from there. Even today when I was coming, I was like, ah, I should call and let them know that I'm sick, something like that, but. <laughs> so you have to have that big smiling face. They grab you, they bring you over to your table. You have a sheet of paper in front of you that says, basically a list of all your dates that evening. There's a box saying yes, no, and then you leave notes because when you get your matches the next day, you will forget who's Mike, who's Jennifer, because you only get their first name and their phone number. So you get a list of yes or no. 
I send people over to the bar right away to grab that drink, to loosen those nerves. And then you have your first date. So you sit down for your first date, which is normally a write-off because the nerves just are the worst. So your first date is the worst because you're so nervous. And so you have your six minute date with that person and then you hear the bell ring. So the organizer will ring the bell at six minutes and the men stand up and they rotate. And then the dates get better and better. By the time the break comes, because there's a break halfway through, everybody's like, that wasn't so bad. This is actually a lot of fun. And then we have a little break, about 20 minutes to get a breather, go to the washroom, you come back and you do the rest of your dates. And then you hand in your paperwork to your matchmaker and you receive the matches the next day with their first name and their phone number. And then they take it from there. Oh, you receive them the next day. The next so you day. don't make any agreements that night with no. Oh. Yeah. So tell me about the rules involved. Yes. So the rules are mostly based out of privacy and and safety as well. So I will kick people out of speed dating events if there is any form of unsafety or inappropriate behavior or anything like that. Sometimes feedback coming from the dates after or the communication after. We do have to ban people from events because safety, of course, is number one and comfort of all of our all of our people that are attending. But outside of that basic, you know, of course, that's a rule. It's mostly around privacy. No last names. Do not ask for phone numbers while you're there. That's loosely based, of course, but I just like people to be able to come anonymously, enjoy themselves, and then they get to take the time to decide on who they feel comfortable giving their contact information to and opening up their life to. So was speed dating always like that? Or is that evolved because of uh, being affected by the way online dating is? Seems Probably. like a blend in a way. Yeah, exactly. I think that's very much like everybody's findable. If you have someone's last name now, you can find out everything about them. Whereas, you know, before on online dating or even a couple, 10, 20 years ago, it would be quite hard to find something on everybody because there's no social media, right? So I think that was probably less important back then. But I think in anything that we do, where it's a it's dating and and it's between two people and it's in such a intimate experience of dating with such different people that you have to definitely keep that safety in mind. So what are your observations from watching these speed dating events in terms of what you can pick up? You can probably read people's body language and tell a lot about what's going on. Yeah. Even though I've been doing this for close to 5 years, I can make assumptions or predictions on who's going to do well and who doesn't do well. And I still get blown out of the water on who is the king and queen of a speed dating event. <laughs> I really do. It actually happened at the last speed dating event, not the one that we hosted here. But this one gal, she came into the Book of Love, which is our matchmaking database. And just from our one hour matchmaking consultation, I was like, oh, well, she'll have some matches, but nothing major. But then she went to a speed dating event and she just rocked it. She did amazing. She get all these matches. I'm like, OK, well, let's up her matches because she is like her personality shines through in the speed dating event. But when people are coming through, you can normally tell by their nerves how they're going to do. So if they're extremely nervous, it's unlikely that they're going to be very successful at the speed dating event. But I like to observe the speed dating event. I also like to give them their privacy. My favorite thing to do is to really like review the matches the next day. Like when I get to see who said yes to whom and who matched and people's patterns of saying yes, or that's what I find the most fascinating by far. 
So you've got an Excel spreadsheet that you have with the results of a speed dating event. As soon as I looked at it, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much drama contained in that. Can you describe it? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So basically, you know, we have all the women that the men have said yes to and all of the men that the women have said yes to. And that's all on this graph. And when there's a match, we highlight it yellow. So it lights right up saying that this is how many matches we have and this is who matched. What's interesting is that like one person could get five to seven matches, right? How do you even handle that? That's a lot of matches. And then you get the matches where it's like they both just said yes to each other. And and that's it. Those are my favorite. Those are where the couples come from, actually, are those really sweet couples where like the, the sparks are flying, but nobody notices because they're not the loudest in the room. They're not they're not the, the shyest in the room. They're just like that couple that just like the sparks are flying. And usually they just say yes to each other and kind of say no to everybody else because they just clicked. They just, they just clicked. Yeah. So if you were coaching me. Mm-hmm. What would you tell me about how to approach a speed dating? Number one, keep an open mind. That is the number one thing. Like when I want people to come to a speed dating event, they have to keep an open mind. This isn't online dating. If you are on the fence on saying yes to somebody, say yes. What's the worst that's going to happen, right? You go on a date and it ends up being a no later. So keep an open mind, being open to meeting anybody, going outside of your initial type, So like, I'm not attracted to that person because he doesn't have a beard or I'm not attracted to her. She's got blonde hair instead of brown hair. Like that stuff doesn't matter. That's irrelevant in a speed dating event, whereas that matters online dating. Right. And so throw all of your preconceived notions of what you think you're attracted to and what you like out the door before you come to speed dating and keep an open mind. That is the biggest form of coaching. Not monologuing is the most important. Asking great questions, engaging questions. And also one thing that I sometimes get, just a little tip that's a lot of fun, is wear an outfit that stands out a little bit more than the others. So it's like, oh, I remember him. He had a pink blazer, right? (laughs) Oh, I remember her because she had blue eyeliner, right? Like little things like that that make you stand out are kind of a a nice little touch when coming speed dating. So when you're interviewing someone, you don't want to ask a question that can be responded to with a yes or a no. Exactly. Open-ended questions and something fun. Like I actually have a list of sample questions on the handout sheet. And one is like, if you can shrink any animal down to the size of a cat, what animal would it be? Like that is a conversation starter, right? It's always house hippo, just so you know. But uh, yeah, things like that are really, really fun to do. Where's your ideal vacation? Like where would you... Where's someone that you want to go? Give me a top three. What are you drinking tonight? Gin soda. Is gin your like spirit of choice? What do you do for fun? Uh, I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. You're D and D. Yeah, that's sweet. How about you? I also play a lot of D and D. No yes or no questions. I also recommend steer away from what do you do. Here, here. You know, steer away from what do you do. Lean more towards what are you passionate about. When you wake up every day, what makes you passionate about your day? All of those interview questions of compatibility don't matter. Do you have kids? Do you want kids? Do you want marriage? Oh my gosh, six minutes, what are you thinking, right? <laughs> Get into the passion, that's what I say. So my hobbies are, um, I love sports, cooking. Football, like you mentioned. Oh man, football is my bread and butter. You like hiking? A little bit, yeah. Island, close to Point Pleasant. 
So yeah. I love those trails and like the sunset is so nice out there. Are you much of a baker? For sure, I've tried baking here and there. I'm so bad at baking, so bad at it. Like I can burn peanut butter cookies and it's three ingredients. <laughs> We couldn't share the great stories that we do here on the Canadian Love Map podcast without the amazing support of Charm Diamond Centres. They are Canada's largest family-owned jeweler, and they're proud to be putting love on the map. The folks at Charm Diamond Centres are thrilled to be a part of your love story. So visit CharmDiamondCentres.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. Why does speed dating work in helping people find a match? So it works in a couple of different ways. Of course, at a speed dating event, on average, we get one couple out of each event. So coming to a speed dating event, yeah, just based statistically, there's a good chance that you, you might meet somebody pretty special. But I think the power of a speed dating event that's a little bit even more beneficial than that is the confidence that you get from coming to a speed dating event. And also, you know, a lot of people, when they call me for matchmaking, they're saying, you know, why are you coming to me? Online dating sucks, right? Online dating sucks. And yeah, if you are exclusively dating only through online dating, you're going to have a very negatively skewed outlook on dating. Whereas when you come to a speed dating event, those people go from 2D to 3D, and their humanity is there and they're kind to one another and people will come and realize that, you know, speed dating is not that bad or dating is not that bad. It's a lot of fun. It's nice to know that there's good people out there. I may not have met my match, but it was just a fun evening meeting cool people. That seems to me to be the secret that if you approach it as something fun rather than something intimidating, it changes it completely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and putting yourself outside of a comfort zone in any form of success, whether it is getting fit and healthy or building a business, or if you're in sales, getting those sales, it's outside of the comfort zone that you find the most beauty in the world. And it's the same when it comes to dating. And there's nothing more outside your comfort zone than coming to a speed dating event. <laughs> dive deeper into why speed dating helps people build confidence. So mostly, again, it's getting you outside your comfort zone. But, you know, when you are having conversations with strangers over and over again, it's the repetition of it all. When you do something over and over again, that's when you get good at it. It's the practice, right? And so getting outside your comfort zone, practicing meeting new people, realizing that everybody else is going through the same thing. So I think that's where a lot of that comes from. The way I carry myself from when I first met Geneva five years ago, at her very first event to now, even outside of these is a much more confident person that if someone had asked me out like in public five years ago I would have been like oh like that's strange but now I'm like oh I can appreciate like you were confident to ask me out I am obviously carrying myself in a way that I am approachable enough for you to want to do that and I'm confident enough to engage in it well if I can do it anybody can do it I feel great I've had great conversations with just about everybody I've talked to so far, which I don't know why I wasn't expecting. So I'm really, I'm content. 
if, if I have to put it into a single word. I'm not nervous. And as I was leaving my house, I was like, what does this say about me that I'm not more nervous right now? And what is the secret sauce for you as a matchmaker to creating a really successful speed dating event? What are the extra little bits and pieces that make it really magic? You know what's fascinating? And I've done so many speed dating events in my, I probably, I think this one is 57 is how many speed dating events we've done. Wow. And um, my energy is the most important. When they walk through the door, if I'm having a exhausted day or a tired day and that energy comes from those nervous singles that come through the door they're going to feel it and the entire event shifts the entire event shifts is my energy as being that first person that they see walking through the door so as a great event host you have to set the precedent of what the energy is going to be from the minute they walk through the door it's not even fake energy. It's just being excited. It's just being excited to see them. It's being excited to answer their questions. And it's being excited for the event and for the fact that they were brave enough to come out to it and to hold space for that bravery. And it's not just, oh, you're coming to another one of my events. It's another speed dating event. It's like, no, this is going to be a fun night. And when that happens at the very beginning, the event goes very, very well. But outside of that, organization is key. I designed the speed dating event in such a way that even the most socially awkward person feels comfortable. It starts with the happy host the minute they walk in the door. It starts with the paperwork on the table, perfectly organized already. They're giving full directions on the sheet of paper that they can read through. They're given full directions from their host and it's fully organized. Speed dating is perfect for somebody that's a little bit anxious when it comes to going to a social event because it's so orchestrated. It's fully orchestrated. So it's like you as the host create this container, this safe container Mm -hmm. for the participants and you hold the energy that you want to contain in that. Absolutely. And I think that there's a lot of power that comes from that. And if I were to expand my events to or when I expand my events to other cities, uh, when hiring hosts for that, that is going to be the most important thing that I teach is that you are the foundation of the event and how you approach the event and your mindset while you're there is going to make or break the event. What does success look like for you as a matchmaker when you're talking about a speed dating event? For me, it's different than, of course, the participants, because everybody coming to a speed dating event, their ultimate goal is to meet somebody. So the couples, of course, are the biggest success. The couples that last are the biggest success, any couple, honestly. But for me, it's the littler things. It's watching the progress in people that really, really like makes all this worth it for me. Because there's this one guy, he has come to three events. It makes me emotional. I don't know why, but his first event, he could barely talk. Like... He was so socially awkward, especially coming out of COVID. He spent a lot of time at home with the same people and he could barely hold a conversation for six minutes. And yeah, sometimes I guess that is torture for the person that they're on a date with, but it was a huge accomplishment just for him to come out to the event. And then 
he came to one a couple weeks ago and he was like smiling when he walked in the door. He got his first match at that speed dating event. Just watching him grow over the span of the three events was like amazing. So those are really the successes for me, for sure. And can you give me an example of a success story in terms of a match made? Yeah, totally. So I think it was three weeks ago, I received a picture of these two adult hands holding a little baby hand. And it was sent to me by the woman. I was like, oh my gosh, congratulations. And she said, well, I had the baby with, I can't say his name, we'll say Chris. I had the baby with Chris. And I'm like, Chris who? Chris, who I met at your speed dating event right after COVID. And I'm like, I didn't even know you guys were together. And she's like, yeah, we're together. We've been together since then. And we just had little baby, you know, seven pounds, whatever ounces. And like, that was the most amazing thing. Speed dating events create a lot of secret couples that I as a host will never know about until they either get married or engaged or have a baby. Whereas with matchmaking, I know all the couples because I work so personally with them, but that was the coolest success story I've had recently. What do you love about matchmaking? Again, I probably love the fact like as a businesswoman and as a woman who's pursuing like her passionate career, what I love most is working with the people, the good, the bad, the ugly, the amazing, the babies, the weddings, all of that stuff. And then of course, ultimately the couples and the babies and the weddings. And like, there's always a Sunday that comes up where I get a picture of a ring or a hand with a ring on it. And it's always happens on like the hardest week that I get yelled at by another client or, or something like that, or another client breaks up. But then that picture of that hand with that ring, makes everything worth it. And I think I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. I'm going to be old and wrinkly and gnarly and people are going to be coming to the Geneva, the 80 year old matchmaker to find their wife. You know, like I, I really think it's the case for sure. What does the phrase beauty is only skin deep mean to you in your line of work? Well, it's interesting because that's something that I, that I struggle with as a matchmaker because our profiles that we work with in matchmaking, they include pictures and a profile. So it's very similar to online dating where the superficial looks are very important to the people that I send the matches to. But what's great about coming to a matchmaker is that if they were to decline, I had someone decline recently because he looks older than his age. But it was just it's just one picture. You get one picture. You know what I mean? And you can take you can take all kinds of misconceptions over one picture. So to give her a call and just say, listen, like he's a really great guy. You guys are extremely compatible. You have a lot in common. You are both empty nesters. You both have a lot of freedom back in your life. You both can design a future for yourself and have the freedom to do that. Like, let's look into what the compatibility is outside of the fact that you think his t-shirt is older than it should be. Like, let's get real. I have no real expectations, I guess, just to meet some nice people and hope for the best. <laughs> that would be optimistic. <laughs> Cautiously optimistic is my motto. I mean, I would hope to potentially match with someone great and go on a date and see how that goes. Like bare minimum expectations, have a fun Friday night. Have a good night, meet some new people. Ideal expectation would be that at the end of this, I match with someone and we connect and then maybe we go on a date that's not recorded or with 15 other people. 
You know, sometimes I've come out of these with a few matches. Other times I've come out of these with, like, no matches. So uh, you don't want to base your night on, like, the results necessarily. Uh, if As long as you had fun, I think that's the important thing. I think if you ask majority of married couples on if they were to swipe right or left from the pictures on a Tinder profile of their current partner, a lot of them would say no. <laughs> Let's get real. <laughs> I'm going to take a break for me to laugh. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. That's a very funny perspective. Yeah. It would seem to me that you've got to get out of your head because mm -hmm. you're going to be in your own way in, in terms of success in that speed date. Yeah. I think honestly, just the mindset that you come in with is, is the most important thing. I think that's the open-mindedness as well. And, you know, honestly, personally, if I were to have gone to a speed dating event and never hosted a speed dating event before, I would do little rituals before. Like when I coach people before they go on a normal date, like a matchmaker date, I will say like, do your feminine ritual, do your masculine ritual before going on a date. And that for me was sitting in my car, blasting music, fluffing my hair before going in on a date. You know what I mean? And then you can kind of come in in the right mindset. So a little ritual that kind of gets you into that space is great, but people are either going to do that or they're not. And it's a part of their life and it's the phase that they're in. And it takes experience and coaching that might be able to get them out of that, but it's up to them at that point. Okay, so what happens when there's a match? He says yes, she says yes, what's next? So basically, once they say yes to each other, they send me the details, I send out the matches, and then they receive their matches with their phone numbers, and it's up to them at that point. And I have to say, if I could navigate, help them navigate that, I would, and we'd create way more couples, but humans are humans, and there's a lot of miscommunication via text message, and there's a lot of self-sabotage, there's a lot of those those blocks and things that are holding them back for love come out after the speed dating event for sure. When it comes to the ball is in your court, take care of it. There's a lot that goes on, but uh, yeah, it's up to them at that point. So just because they get a match doesn't mean that they're going to become a couple. No. What uh, hurdles have you seen? Texting is the biggest hurdle. The fact that you have a connection in person is lovely, but if people don't know how to properly text or they have different texting styles, they won't be going on another date. You know what I mean? Also, if you get too many matches, you get overwhelmed and you don't know how to properly categorize it and figure that out, then, you know, you're probably, if you have six matches, you're probably only going to go on two dates because you just honestly can't navigate the rest, right? Unless you receive some coaching, we'd be able to help you out with that. But I think the biggest hurdle is just humanity at that point and, and being single and dating and all the same challenges on if you came to a speed dating event or met online dating. And is there something that you hear over and over from clients, whether it's speed dating or matchmaking in terms of what they're looking for? Everybody's completely different. And it's fascinating because I asked them that at the beginning of the phone call, when anybody comes to work with me, what is it you're looking for in a partner? And people will rattle off a bunch of things that they're looking for. And then they'll say, but everybody's looking for that, right? And I'm like, no. Everybody's looking for something completely different. Everybody's looking for something that's unique to themselves. Yeah, there's trends, of course, kindness, um, commitment, generosity. Those are the things that I see a lot that's coming up. But one term that I love to use a lot is one person's yuck is another person's yum. You know, I could have a gentleman sitting in front of me for matchmaking and I could show him 10 women. I don't do this, obviously. But just for the example's sake, I show him 10 women. He 
will say, those two are my favorite, those two are my least favorite. Say I have a different gentleman, I show them the same group of 10 women. They'll say, those two are my favorite, those two are my least favorite. They're completely different from the first guy. The first guy's least favorite could be the next guy's most favorite. And so that's one thing that I find is beautiful about matchmaking is that if you're in the book of love waiting for your match, even if you're not conventionally what society would think that most people are looking for, your match is out there. Your match is 100% out there. You just have to go find it. And is it true to say there are a lot of singles out there who have a sense of hopelessness? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a lot of what we talk about on introduction phone call when they call me is the feeling of hopelessness, not knowing where to start, not knowing how to navigate it. Because I know I say a lot of great things about online dating, but it is like saying, you know, what gym do I go to when you don't know how to work out? The gym doesn't matter, just like the online platform doesn't matter. You have to be trained on how to properly use it because it's a very powerful tool. The majority of the single people in your neighborhood are on this platform. And yet there is this, uh, you feel like you're safe behind your computer and you can say and do things and behave a certain way when you would not do that with somebody in person. And so I feel that creates a lot of hopelessness in both men and women. With the, with, especially with online platforms, you're kind of getting like a face value of someone. You're, you're swiping left or right based on just what a person looks like, which kind of sucks just going off looks because you kind of miss the whole point of getting to date someone and get to know someone. I feel like it's probably a better life choice for me because I tend to use like Tinder and Bumble as phone games. Right? I can sit home, I can people watch from the comfort of my couch, I don't have to interact with people if I don't want to, and it kind of loses the actual meaning behind it. In this situation, I'm forced to talk to people in a setting where it's meant to be not sitting on my couch looking at people kind of thing, right? Usually if people are committing to going to a speed dating event, they're looking for someone to actually date in a in a more dating capacity, not a one-off hookup kind of capacity. It's not lazy, let me throw up a picture and a profile and see who I can hook up with that way. It's, I want to go out to meet someone to date. Maybe I'm an anomaly, but I prefer this because I have six minutes to talk to a woman and I can find out if I have a connection or not, I, I don't know. But I'm really not good at approaching someone at the bar at all. It's, that's just my personality, so that I prefer this a lot. You know, speed dating allows you to see that person, see how they interact with you. You know, you get to kind of see their quirks a little bit, see how they operate, what their personality is like. So what has being a matchmaker taught you about human nature? I guess in context of love and dating, obviously, when being a matchmaker is everybody's just looking for love. And a lot of people if they had a bad experience with somebody dating, it's not necessarily that person's a bad person, it's the person's hurt. And I think that we have to hold a lot more empathy for people's past experiences and hurt and be kinder to one another, especially in the dating world. But mostly what I've learned is that there are some people that are looking for more superficial things, but ultimately every single person is just looking for love and looking for that person to love them and for them to be able to hold space for that and meet the love of their life. I really think so. And the one last thing is, is this a very purpose-driven 
career for you? Oh my gosh, it's my absolute purpose in life. And as somebody who was listless in her previous profession, I was a geomatics engineer making maps and oil exploration in northern Alberta. Like what? And then I came back here. And not only that, but I had no anticipation of becoming a matchmaker. I hosted my first meeting event because I was single and I wanted to meet men. I wanted to start a business, but I didn't think it was going to be this. And then I just listened to what people were looking for and what the city wanted. And I provided it and I created a really unique matchmaking company that's unique to the specific area I'm in. But it was all created based on what people wanted and not what I thought the business should be. Every day I'm learning. Every day I'm reading books on psychology and I'm reading books on love and matchmaking and relationships. And It's so purpose-driven in the fact of building business and being better than myself the week before as a businesswoman, but it is also purpose-driven in creating the couples and giving people more confidence in dating and creating a culture here that I'm hoping is a kinder dating culture. It's like clothing too. You have to try it. It might look good on the hanger. It might not look good on the hanger, but you can try it and see, hey, you know what? This works or it doesn't work. Have an open mind and come and have fun. You just need to be yourself and be who you are and just, you know, really embrace it. If you want to be dating, this still beats a night of swiping, right? Any night. I think that everybody should have this experience at least once in their lives. For someone like me, who is a generally shy person, it's like, just go for it. What are you waiting for? (laughs) Is it safe to say you love love? I love love. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Canadian Love Map. If you love us, please subscribe and share. And if you want to help us spread the love even more, rate and review our podcast. It makes such a difference. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map. This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter.